Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of this podcast. Um, I hate starting things off with saying, hey guys, because I feel like a YouTuber, but it just seems appropriate. Um, This week, I have my good friend, stand-up comedian, writer, and actor, Dan Curtis Thompson on the podcast, simply because he's just one of my best friends in comedy, and we both love talking about outer space for some reason. So I figured this would be a good opportunity to have him on. I don't want to spoil anything, but if you don't believe um, in science, you will hate this episode. I'm sorry to all my evangelical listeners, but we do mention the Big Bang Theory a few times. So just a trigger warning for that. Um, Enjoy it. Thanks for listening. I don't want to talk too much. And uh, that's it. Peace. Wow, this meeting is being recorded. That's imagine scary. I hit, imagine I I hit leave meeting. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for saying yeah. Uh, so that, I actually made both those paintings myself. You did? They're really yeah. good. Yeah, it was during December of the pandemic. So I was very mentally unwell. Sure. And, and that's when you decided to be a cowboy. That's when I decided to be. I was just inspired by the desolate nothingness of the desert i guess i was like i, I want this painting to that makes sense my soul at the moment that makes sense yeah uh, are you able to hear me clearly uh, i am in a small town i want to make sure that that's so i'm funny. not like cutting out uh, or anything <laughs> i'm in a small town i want to make sure there aren't any yelling hicks in the background <laughs> you, that. yeah there may be a few people screaming about how like covid's a hoax in the background <laughs> No, I can hear you fine. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for doing this. I know that you have such a busy schedule. We both forgot about this multiple times. 18 times. times. Yeah. So many times. I I feel like as a podcast host, that's kind of like, I feel like if I was doing a podcast and the host forgot that it was happening, I would would start to reconsider the level of the importance of the podcast (laughs) that I'm doing. I feel like if I was a podcast host and I asked somebody to do it and they kept on forgetting, I'd be, be like... Why am I asking this person to do it? <laughs> so I feel like we're we're on the same page. Okay, yeah, I feel like we're both on the same page. We're both yeah. missing the same enthusiasm. I don't know what it is. It's I, not I, enthusiasm. I, it's just life got in the way, Juliana. Yeah, just life happens, and uh, and that's just how it goes. And sometimes you forget that you have a podcast. Sometimes you just forget that you have a podcast. I feel that way very frequently with my podcast. So right. uh, it's. But you 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 host it with Courtney, or do you have your separate? I, yeah. So me me and Courtney Gilmore have a podcast called Rated X, where it's me and her who we used to date. Uh, and it's our whole thing is it's about two real life exes who rate and review fictional couples. So like we talk about like Ross and Rachel and stuff and talk about where they went right, where they went wrong, about uh, emotional intelligence, about all that, <laughs> all that shit. But uh, just as exes who are best friends. Okay, so I'm actually fascinated by that, and I wanted to ask you about that. Who came up with the idea? Ask what. Or were you guys? Uh, well, we had a podcast before when before we started dating and while we were dating called So Help Me Pod. And it was because me and her both had religious upbringings. So we just talked about religion and how we 
kind of got out of it and, you know, our experiences. Then we like in- interviewed other comedians with their own, you know, uh, experiences in their own religions and stuff. And we had fun doing it. And then we got into a relationship and then we broke up and we stopped doing it because we needed space. And then we started hanging out again and became best friends again. And we're like, well, why don't we do a podcast again? But we, if that we feel so separate from our old project, cause it's, you know, like two years ago now. So why don't we come up with something new and me and her con we both love what watching TV shows and movies. And, uh, we also constantly get into really, really deep conversations about, uh, emotional intimacy and uh, emotional intelligence and, uh, and, uh, how therapies affected our lives and, how uh relationships we think should be and how uh, about communication and stuff and we're like why don't we just like maybe make this into a podcast also that's like just it's just so funny that that when you exit a relationship like i know just from my own experience i do feel like i have gained another level of wisdom that i want to impart onto people yeah uh, but i also don't i don't know anything because i haven't really technically ever been in a relationship so well i think the secret is nobody ever really knows anything ever it's just we're all just floundering in this life so okay see that's a really good way to approach it yeah Uh, my my way of operating in life is i just assume i'm probably wrong about most things and then if i'm right cool and if i'm not that's fine because i already assumed i was wrong okay that's awesome yeah, it, it it helps me in relationships for sure. When I'm often wrong, I'm like uh, okay. they're like, "No, you're wrong." I'm like, "Yeah, probably." Right, right. So, but when you're doing the podcast with your ex girlfriend, mm-hmm. was there like, did you guys have to like, how long did it take you to get over that mm. like relationship to feel comfortable enough to start talking to each other like that again? And like, right. do feelings ever come? Well, I, like, I mean, maybe that's too. No, no, I'm an open book. Ask me whatever you yeah. want. Um. So like, I know personally, like I just the kind of person that I am, I don't know if I have the emotional maturity to be able to sit across from somebody that like <clears throat> I was in a relationship with and then talk mm-hmm. about how or, or like, you know, debate how I think relationships should be with them. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's it. the thing is me and her have a very unique situation. And while I do think that it's nice that if exes can be friends, I am very much uh, I very much know that it's not the case for most people, uh, or because we were best, best friends for two years before we dated. So we had a really good foundation of best friendship to fall back on. And then we dated for eight months. So the best friendship still outweighed the relationship. Uh, I am certainly an anxious dater. Oh, please tell me everything. I'm a huge anxious dater. And that's actually something that I'm working on. So I have the kind of personality, I think it's called anxious attachment style. Okay. And I'm usually in a relationship. um, I don't feel secure unless I have a lot of like validation from the other person. And whether it be like physical or like verbal, I Mm. need constant validation. I didn't think I was somebody like that, but not, not validation, like compliments that are like superficial, but just like, Hey, like, hey, I you matter. Know that, like, I'm not going anywhere type of sure. thing. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is unrealistic to ask. And I think somebody that 
is constantly offering that up is also not in a very emotionally secure place themselves. So I don't know. I think it just kind of is it maybe well, a vicious cycle. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's interesting. I agree and disagree. I think. Uh, okay. I think that uh, whatever your needs are are okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in the whole, uh, it's, un, it's unrealistic to, uh, to expect someone else to meet my needs when, uh, you can obviously, obviously you can compromise to other people's needs, uh, and, and compromise, you know, uh, the level of intensity or engagement or whatever. But if you really want someone to, you know, reassure you about things, I think that's okay. And I think that, uh, you deserve to have someone that's going to reassure you about things. However, uh, let me ask you a question. Do you reassure yourself on those things? No. See that? So that's, uh, that's, uh, and I don't want to like point fingers and be like, see fucking idiot. That's where you went wrong. Uh, yeah. but, uh, I think in my own personal experience and, uh, and, in other, you know, uh, self-help books and shit that I've read, uh, and in therapy I've done, the, the validation that we want from other people will all, it's always nice to be validated, of course. And especially you and me in the career of comedy, it's very important to be validated. But uh, if do you ever like go on stage, let's take, let's take comedy, for example, here, do you ever go on stage uh, telling yourself, I'm, I'm really funny. You, you know that you're a funny person, right? Well, I think that we all secretly think that we're funny. I but see. Then, I don't. I don't secretly think I'm funny. I know I'm funny. Okay. See, I. Do you know you're funny? Secretly think I'm funny. I don't think you should let. Girl, don't let that be a secret. You got to tell the world because you're so goddamn funny, and it's that's absolutely true. And if you didn't know that, I don't think you'd be doing this in the first place. Okay. Well, that's a really interesting point that you bring up because I, from listening to other podcasts, and like I think Nikki Glazer said this on one of her podcasts, which is like, I just feel like I'm waiting. Or like somebody's gonna figure me out. Like somebody's gonna be like, "Oh, she's not actually funny. She just does this." And sure. then, like, oh, true, true. Or like, if I send an email with that has like a typo in it, I'll be like, "Okay, this person thinks I'm an idiot. They think I'm so stupid. They're not gonna want to work with me. Right. Uh, I'm so unprofessional. Why would I ever put myself in this position?" Like it really, mm -hmm. it gets big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I totally get it. That's how I've been for most of my life. Uh, I think the pandemic made me just maybe the pandemic slash turning 30 in the pandemic just made me be like, I don't give a fuck anymore. But uh, let me ask you something honestly. Okay. You write, you write that, uh, the email, yep. uh, it has a typo in it. Uh, maybe that person doesn't, maybe let's say that person believes everything that you think that they're believing about you. They think that you're unprofessional because <laughs> they, cause you, uh, you put, uh, duck instead of fuck i don't know why you're sending a professional email with the word fuck in it but that's what we're doing uh and they're like she's unprofessional she's not funny she sucks i hate her whatever all the things are let's say they absolutely feel that way yeah. now what uh I, now i just avoid talking to and seeing this person and i go well i burned that bridge so let, let's just leave it at that yeah. And then you go on with your life. And then I go on with my life. Yeah. So you go on with your life. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty big thing. That's not good enough. Then I'm like, well, what happened to this connect? Like this was a meaningful connection that I had and I blew it because I put a typing error. 
did you, oh, right. But did you blow it or did that person blow it by making it such a big thing when it's not a big thing? I feel like I kind of blew it. I can go on. <laughs> I can go on, Dan. I mean, I, I know what you're doing, but also there is no end to my. No, I get it. I do get it. I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, uh, minimize that, but I, I, cause I definitely have been that way. In fact, uh, in most of my relationships, because I find, I don't know about you with anxiety, but I find my anxiety for the most part came up in relationships. Um, for the most part, I was just like constantly thinking like, okay, well, I said this one thing, or I texted this one thing. Therefore this, they're going to think this about me, which is going to make them feel this way about me, which is going to make them realize this about me, which is going to make them want to break up with me. Right. And uh, that was, you know, it's a snowball effect. The more you think about it, the bigger the snowball gets until eventually uh, I find that I lean into the story I'm telling myself so much that the story I'm telling myself becomes my reality because I kind of created that. Right, right. Do you ever, so do you ever feel that way? Um, yes, it, many times. There was one, one of like the first guys that I ever dated that I really liked. I ended up ruining it because I didn't know the kind of like attachment style that I had. I just thought mm. that I was being logical. And right. it turns out that I did make, you know, in the long run, I think the, the right decision. But when I was like 20 or like 21, there's this guy that I was dating. And then like, he, he just like, he did like one thing that I just like didn't like, but it wasn't like one thing that I didn't like. Like, I don't mean like, oh, he didn't hold the door for me. Like he did something that made me feel very emotionally vulnerable. And it made me feel like, kind of silly for thinking that this was going to go somewhere when clearly it wasn't right. like it, it, it was like unpredictable and it didn't I didn't like that it didn't make me feel secure and then yeah, and it was, like, it was it wasn't a huge thing it was kind of like a minor thing and I just ran away from this guy and I was like mm. well I'm fully done and just like let's put a bow on it and do it and Wait, did you like ghost him no, I didn't ghost him. I just sent him a message being like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work out because uh, you did something that uh, made me feel this way. And he he took it a step further because he didn't apologize for it. And I was like, okay, well then forget mm. it. Well, that's see, that's that's a good thing then. Yeah, you did yourself a solid. Yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah. is true. I'm sorry that happened though. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm definitely like the avoidant uh, kind of like style of dating or like, Mm. And, and I know may, maybe you're similar, but it's like when comedy was introduced into my life, it was mm -hmm. very much like, okay, so this, it takes all of my focus. I don't want to get into a relationship because that's going to mess it up. I've seen right. how relationships have ended in my life and mm -hmm. I don't want to end up like that. So like, yeah. forget about that because that doesn't exist. That's not real. Yeah. So it's like, let's just focus on the things that we can control. And for me, that was comedy. And then I just kind of took it another level by just like not like I haven't actually like seriously started dating till I was like 22 like only okay. in the last like few years have I actually started dating yeah how old are you are you 23 24 24 yeah. yeah uh so and you're you're like dating now right yeah I'm kind of taking this a different approach to things now because oh interesting I think when you find somebody that you actually like it kind of makes you have to kind of do a little bit of self-reflecting and mm -hmm. like, take inventory, emotional inventory. Yeah. Just kind of step it up a little bit. And I, and I just want to come from a place now of just like being very honest about like how I feel instead of that avoidant anxious thing. 
that's like, okay, well, you did something that didn't make me feel secure. So I'm just going to close everything off. And yeah. now I'm just like, Hey, like when you did this, it made me feel this. And like, do you feel, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. That's great. You know, one of, one of the best uh, relationship communication things I ever learned was from Brene Brown. Okay. Uh, and it's the, it, it's called the story I'm telling myself. Okay. Uh, and basically it's, it's a good way of just taking any blame off of a person when you're feeling something. So say you and I are having a, a conversation and you told me that, you know, you didn't want to hang out with me tonight. And uh, it made me in my own head, my own anxious, mad head decide to be like, oh, she doesn't want to hang out with me tonight, which means that she doesn't uh, like me that much, which means that, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not very good, which means that I'm, uh, she probably sees right through me and realizes I'm a loser, you know, whatever the anxiety beast inside of you creates. Uh, instead of uh, going, talking to you later, after I've like, dwelled on that anxiety and being like, well, I just, you should have wanted to hang out with me. You, I thought, I thought you were going to hang out with me. Why didn't you hang out with me? That's so much like putting on you. Right. And now you're like, Oh fuck. I don't know. I, I told my friend I was going to see them, you know, like it wasn't anything big in your mind. So instead of being like, why didn't you want to hang out with me? I would be, uh, the technique is to just go. So the story I'm telling myself is that you didn't want to hang out with me because you don't like me that much which is now instead of saying, hey, you don't like me, it's saying, I'm telling myself that you don't like me. So I'm putting all the onus on myself, which is gonna allow you to not feel attacked and be like, oh, no, 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 that's not it. And then communication can happen easier. Right, that makes so much sense. Right? Um, um, I really I, like the approach actually. I love that approach. And it's really changed a lot of communication for me because I used to suck at communication. Okay. Yeah, I used an amazing communicator. Thank you. Yeah, I've I've gotten a lot better. Okay. Uh, I used to I used to very much point fingers and uh, you know blame everything other than myself. <laughs> okay, got you, got you. Uh, but hey, I mean that's what's what's life but learning lessons in a hard way sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, I was kind of under the impression that like if a relationship is not extremely easy then it's just like not worth exploring mm. it's just like yeah you just want it to just kind of like fall into your lap but also that's just like so naive and it's clearly coming from a place of somebody who doesn't have much experience dating saying that. sure sure yeah. but I'm, i mean there's i think there's some kind of truth in that at least at the beginning you know like if i go on a first date with someone and it's just like i don't really like i'm not vibing with them or whatever i'm not going to be like you know what relationships take work I need to go on a second date with them and really see if I want to hear more about their favorite sport. You know, like I, I'm going to just be like, okay, well, it wasn't, that wasn't right. That wasn't easy. Let's meet someone else. That's easy. And then eventually things will probably get harder and then you can do that hard work, but. Right. Okay. I see. That's my, that's my opinion though. What, a, what the fuck do I know? I sometimes go, I see, it's kind of interesting you mentioned that because like, I will usually sometimes go. I won't go on a second date with somebody that I just like completely did not enjoy my time with. But I just also know that first dates are weird and awkward and everybody's yeah. lying about who they are. So I'm just like, yeah. if I feel like there's a little bit of potential here, I will go on another date just to see 
like how it goes but like yeah the second or third date i know i'm just like well, okay. of course yeah. yeah yeah definitely usually i can tell on the first date if i want to i don't know like when you meet anyone for the first time okay, uh, so you what can... is like what's something that ha- would happen on a first date that you would just be like okay yeah that's something that i'm looking for like what is it uh if they can contribute to the conversation uh oh. i you know, like, do you ever feel like as a comic when you're like meeting someone who's just like, just like, mm hmm, uh huh, mm hmm, and then like just kind of awkward, quiet moments, and you're like, so, uh, yeah, you know, I think you, I'm think, like, you gotta yeah. meet me halfway. I think as comics, we definitely need that part of our brain stimulated for sure. Yeah, like, as well as do you ever feel like you're like, okay, they're not giving me anything, so I guess I'm gonna like kind of have to like almost put on like a stage persona to be around this person. No, no, no? I, I have no, talent. okay. I don't, Good. I don't feel obligated to be funny on dates. It's interesting. I don't feel like if I'm not, like if the date is not going well, I'm not trying to be funny. Like I, visibly, oh, good for like, you. I don't try to save it. You know what I mean? I'm just mm-hmm. like, you know what? This is, I just embrace it a little bit. And I'm just like, that's just how it that's is. Because then good. I, myself. that's good. If I feel like I'm being funny, then I feel like I'm very comfortable. And if I feel like I'm comfortable, then I feel like I like this person. And it's like, I don't want to get that confused. So it's like, if sure. I'm not trying to be funny, then I'm not, I'm not comfortable. I'm not loose right now. This yeah. For me. Yeah. That's good. That's really good because uh, I uh, struggle with that. So mm-hmm. when I go on a first date and it's not uh, going very well and I'm just like, well, I guess I'll just have to be the entertainer for tonight. And I'll like kind of switch on comedy brain and then real life me kind of brain turns off and I'm like not I'm as much as I like enjoy doing that I enjoy doing that on stage not just one-on-one as you know like doing comedy to a person is gross it's the grossest thing anyone can ever do honestly anytime I do that I'm like you should be walking out right now because you're (laughs) on a date with a comedian uh but somebody who's doing a bit how disgusting! Oh is that? God! How disgusting is that? Like, yeah, that's like yeah. going on a date to comedy bar. Gross. No, that's uh, horrifying. Horrible, horrible. But uh, I've had kind of something uh, opposite to that happen, like where you you just like you're like I'm not going to try to be funny, uh, and that's probably a good thing because if you're not enjoying it, then that will probably just be the end end of it, right? Yeah. I have been on a date where uh, it wasn't going well. I was like asking like questions like, Hey, so like, where'd you grow up? What do you do? You know, just should answer. And just like, then just get quiet. And I'd be like, so what do you, and then I like had to turn on comedy brain and uh, I got her laughing a lot. And I was like, okay, cool. We can get through this. And I eventually I was like, Oh, anyway, I'm going to head out. It's nice meeting you. Have a good night. And she was like, she texted me later being like, Hey, so like, are we going to go on a second date? I had so much fun. I was like, Oh, uh, hey, I super appreciate the interest. Uh, I, I personally, I didn't really feel like we connected that much, uh, but I really hope you find everything that you're looking for. Uh, and I had a great time. And then she responded back being like, uh, I don't know. It was like, she left me on red. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then like hours later, she responded being like, I don't understand. You were very into me and I it was such a funny date we were laughing I'm like first of all thank you (laughs) second of all I'm like well you were laughing I wasn't having fun yeah right meet me halfway and then I'll then I'll be into a second date 
I think right. that's 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 my go, my my bars. Just meet me halfway. Yeah, yeah. Meet me halfway for sure. Yeah. I uh I wonder what the experience is like because for me when I when I go on dates, if a guy is not like um making me laugh, I'm okay with that. Like I don't you don't need to be funny as long as you just like oh god, me my too. Sense of humor. Yeah, it's like as long as you understand my sense of humor. And like, mm-hmm. or we feel like, or I feel like maybe we both find the same things funny. Yeah. Um, like that's usually good. It doesn't have to be that way. I've dated guys that were just like, not so funny. Mm-hmm. We're just like really nice and like supportive. Yeah. That's the thing. There's more to life than just yeah. comedy, which most yeah. comedians would never say, but <laughs> uh, it's true. Which I There's hear. a lot. I also don't understand fully. Fully don't <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I think, the pandemic really helped me realize that too. When I was like, well, I can't do comedy. So I guess I'll garden and, oh, this is quite nice, you know? Right, 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 right. Uh, And I don't know, there's, uh, when I say there's more to life than comedy, I mean, like, I always like my life to have humor to it. But at the same time, I love a good deep conversation where we're not making jokes. We're just talking and I'm like getting to know like how your brain works and Right. Oh, jokes I love just, that. Uh, yeah. Jokes are not that it's, you know, yeah, for sure. Yes. You have to get to know the person that, mm-hmm. you're, that you're going on a date with for sure. Yeah. But like they're not able to kind of like go deep into conversation. That's yeah. Me. That's a big red flag. That That is a red flag. For yeah. Sure. What's your biggest red flag for you? Oh my God. Real talk. My biggest red flag. I don't know. What What's your red flag while you answer i'm gonna think about it okay trigger something when okay let me ask a question to that question do you want to know what my biggest red flag is when i see what that i see in other people like what would be a red flag to me or what is the red flag that dan curtis thompson has okay let's do both so both? okay with, but yeah what's a red flag that you notice in other people okay red flag <laughs> that i notice in other people uh well i guess a good one would be uh, it's kind of repeating what you said, but yeah, if, if I'm like, you know, I, I am a very emotional boy. Uh, I was an emo kid in high school and it's still like a big, big part of me. I love, I love digging into my, my inner high school poetry. You know, I like feeling, uh, like we can connect and I can talk about like real feelings that we experience on a human level. And if I try to connect with someone on that and they're just like, Uh uh-huh let me change the topic back to something surface level then i'm like oh that's a red flag flag. yeah that's a red flag yeah because if you can't if you can't and i guess it kind of goes back to my whole like meet me halfway thing but like if you can't meet me halfway in uh emotional honesty then i'm uh i don't not to sound like a dick but i'm going to lose interest Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know um and what my red flag would be to other people um, I guess, uh, do you know what your red flag is to other people? Like, how well, do you know I mean, they told you, or like, do you just, oh, I, I, I don't know. I do a lot of acid and I introspect, I guess. I don't know. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I, I guess, uh, I guess a, a red flag for other people would be that I, uh, sometimes I have trouble turning it off, you know, oh. turning off comedy. Brain. Oh yeah. Okay. Especially, I don't know if you feel this way too, but like, uh, do you ever like, uh, my last girlfriend, I would uh, go to her place. Uh, she wasn't a comedian, and I would go over to her place 
after like I had a really good set and I was like doing a lot of crowd work. And like, sometimes when we were talking, it's like, I, my brain would almost still be in crowd work mode and I'd just be like, kind of like roasty. And like, I'm still, I'm still on a little bit. And she'd be like, this is a nightmare. I'm like, I know <laughs> I hate it too. Oh yeah. That would be an absolute nightmare. That would yeah. certainly be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is. And that's, that's probably one of mine for sure. Uh, I think, I, I think I've gotten better at it though. I like yeah. to think I have. That's cool. Um, so, I'm, and I'm sure there's a lot of other ones too. Okay. Yeah. Let's just, uh, let's bring Courtney in. Courtney. Uh, like, <laughs> down, she like pops up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, what about you? What are your red flags that you see and that you might have? My red flags that I see, um, I would honestly probably say that my same, the same red flag for you. Cause that's the first thing that I notice is like mm -hmm. if you're if the conversation kind of goes like a bit of a deeper route and they bring it back to like something that's like surface level or just like uh yeah anyway so yesterday when i was talking about blah 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 you know what i mean yeah that, i hate that i, I like getting deep i, I want to get deep right away yeah yeah which and honestly admittedly that could be a red flag of mine too because that's uncomfortable for some people yeah for some people that's uncomfortable mm -hmm. but, but i think i mean like you know, I don't, we don't have to go crazy, but if the conversation goes like in a way that's like not so deep, but just a little bit meaningful and you have a yeah. problem with just a meaningful conversation. Have yeah. To that's I'm not trying to hear about your trauma, but like, if it goes sure. a little bit sideways into your parents' divorce or something and you can't talk about it, it's like, okay, then like, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. It's like, that's our whole life. Like we're so comfortable with doing that. We do it all the time. It's mm -hmm. what we write about. We shoot, we preach it to audiences. Like our whole yeah. MO is that we're just kind of these like open books in a way. And then mm -hmm. if that, you know, if somebody else isn't like that, it's really hard to. Yeah. I don't really know what my red flag is, to be honest with you. I definitely have, <laughs> I definitely have them. Oh, everyone like, has them. Yeah. I feel like uh, probably my biggest red flag is that I, I, sometimes I can't differentiate like what is, what like my gut instinct is and then mm -hmm. like where if it's coming from a place of anxiety so a lot of times I, mm. I kind of act from like an anxiety or like fear standpoint right and I kind of dodge people or like avoid things yeah for fear of like you know being heard and being honest but I'm trying to change that I'm trying to be more honest that's more all you can do yeah. That's all you can do and good for you for for acknowledging that and for deciding to want to change that yeah, a lot of people never, get stuck never... in not realizing that. I'm going to change my position just because yeah, yeah, my yeah. ring light broke and I feel like I look like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, sure, do whatever. I feel like the shadow on my face. I only have my little lamp in this room and it feels I'm... like I'm about to tell you a scary you... story at camp. It actually does. Are you about to, um, are you in a hotel? No, I'm, uh, so I'm in Sterling, Ontario and I'm doing a musical this summer. Nice. Uh, called drive-in the drive-in musical with sterling festival theater and uh it because you know with covid uh and everything getting shut down audiences obviously aren't allowed and the theater is struggling because of that and so uh the artistic director ken mcdougall came up with this brilliant idea to do a uh in the like a, a fairground near here uh they have a big amphitheater and so what we're doing is we're doing a uh a musical in, on that stage that the audience is going to be cars that drive into it and we're going to hook up to their 
uh, FM radios. And we're going to like, it's, it's all like sixties music. So it's like, it's at a drive-in it's like they're at a drive-in watching them. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That is very, very cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's very innovative. So, uh, so I'm, uh, the cool thing about doing this, this, uh, working at this theater company is right beside the theater, they have a house that we call the actor house. And it's just, uh, a uh, big like hundred year old house where everybody that is performing in it lives while they're on contract. And uh, I've, I've worked at this theater now for like seven years and uh, I'm in my room that I'm always in. And uh, yeah, it, it's nice. I just get to live with the actors that are like my friends now at this point, because we've worked together for like seven years and it's uh it's, we just get to kind of go and get paid to do uh, fun theater and uh, sing and dance on stage. And uh, it, it's been a blast so far. Okay. That is so cool. That is very yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 I really love it. So sick. Like I wish comedy was like that. God, I, I honestly wish comedy was like that. Like I wish there was like, yeah, like you guys are, well, I mean, yeah, if you go on tour, it's kind of like that, but it's not as fun. Like you stay it's in not. like shitty comedy condos. Yeah. And why can't we just rent a, whole floor in a hotel yeah and every comic you know mm-hmm. although would it, it would it be fun because like you'd also that means you'd have to like live with like other comics for like a summer <laughs> right but i mean like you know we all have our own room and our own separate sure yes yes very important very important our ways of disconnecting from each other yeah because i don't know about you but uh i i consider myself to be like uh an extroverted introvert Okay. Uh, where I, a lot of people just think I'm an extrovert because I can be, I guess, charismatic or whatever, but I need my, my alone time to recharge. Right. I can't, I, I need, I need to like, uh, have like a room to just sit and, uh, stare at YouTube for a very long time, uh, to, to be able to have the energy to go back out and be like, Hey guys, let's do this. You know? Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. 100%. I mean, I, yeah, the introvert extrovert thing is like, I don't, I don't even know. Like, what am I an INFPJ or something like that? I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. I forgot. What's like that one called? Myers-Briggs? Yeah. yeah. I don't, I know. I don't honestly don't like personality. Me either. Um, I'm just me. Uh, yeah. It's like, I don't really identify with one or the other. It's just like, yeah. Plus our personalities change so much as we age, as we experience different things in our lives. So yeah. uh, if you are whatever INFJ today, then maybe tomorrow you're going to be WMCP, whatever. Yeah, I don't that. know what they are. Yeah. 100%. Are those real ones? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the WWE Smackdown, whatever. I'm the WWE. <laughs> um, okay. So I asked you to come on this podcast because, well, I knew it was going to be a great conversation, but I also knew that we have this shared interest of mm. space. Yeah, we do. Um, and like quantum physics, which is oh yeah, random and cool. Nothing draws people together more than talking about space. Like if you <laughs> think space is fascinating, there is a yeah out there for you. But um, you know how like Jerry Seinfeld always talks about on like comedians and cars getting coffee. Like if you're at a party and there's another comic there, like they, they're always going to meet up and start ta- doing bits and stuff. I feel like uh, it's probably the same thing for like astrophysicists, you know? Yes. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, like, ah, you look like a fucking loser. We should talk. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. If you're an astrophysicist, what 
Like I can imagine that just like regular conversation you think is so stupid. You're just like, how are we talking about candles and astrology when there's fucking. Yeah. Do you know what's up there? Yeah. It's like, there's so much that's happening right now. It's unexplained. Yeah. You recommended um, a book to me by Neil deGrasse Tyson called Astrophysics Mm. for People in a Hurry. And that incredible i'm recommending yeah. everybody i'm actually gonna lend it to anna menzies who also wants to read it oh yeah oh anna menzies by the way i love i listened to your episode with her yeah. uh i love her actually tomorrow is her birthday so uh if she's listening to this happy birthday oh my god happy birthday anna i love anna so much i love her so yes, much i had her on my podcast we were talking about it briefly and then that's when i was inspired to have you on i was like oh my god i have to have dan on Mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually on your, that podcast, you called me Dan Thompson. And I have never heard another comment. I call did me. not call you Dan Thompson. You did. You didn't put the Curtis in. It was no. the first time I've heard oh, like a. I must no, I don't. I don't care because that's my name. Okay. But it was just I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> I didn't call you like Daniel Curtis or something. Oh like, yeah, if if you called me Daniel, I would have felt like my mom was mad at me, and I would have been <laughs> upset. <laughs> I can't do Daniel. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you ever get like Julie or Jewel or anything like that? Yeah. Sometimes people will call me like Julia or something. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, just like if they're in a rush, they're just like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't even care. Yeah. I'm too, I'm too busy to do the other two syllables. Yeah. They're like, uh, Julia. <laughs> How do you feel about it? I don't like it. Yeah. It doesn't I feel, do you don't feel like a Julia. Feel, yeah. I, I don't feel like a Julia. Do I feel like a Juliana? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I've only ever known you as a Juliana. Right. If I didn't know that that was your name, I would assume your name was like, I don't know. I feel like Claire. You could be a Claire. Okay. Claire. True. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or a Sarah. I'm sorry. That's a very boring name. You know, what's really funny is I actually- and I'm sorry to Sarah's that, out there. Yeah. There's a lot of Sarah's out there. I, uh, I give that name when there's like, a strange man talking to me that like I don't mm-hmm. want to talk to or like you know they'll just well you like, just say my name's Sarah and they're like Ugh, gross <laughs> like I don't want to fucking know a Sarah <laughs> um yeah no they they're just like okay I'll keep my eye out for you then Sarah I don't know why Sarah was like I'm like you could follow me home like giving you a fake name isn't going to make a difference on whether you <laughs> that's true yeah, yeah i don't really know what your end game is there because like all right sarah i yeah. guess i'll uh <laughs> get to know you sarah and they'll find i'll uh, follow you home sarah and yeah that doesn't that doesn't save you in no, any it's like yeah it's like they're not going to try to find you on twitter or instagram like what the fuck like you know what i mean it's like this yeah. person wants to yeah. follow you to your front door like giving them a fake name <laughs> It's not going to make it. That's the ultimate follow. That's the ultimate follow. Yeah. Uh, Anywho. Anyways, science and space. Okay. So one thing that I read in the book that really stuck out to me, and here's the thing. I don't Mm. know if you can do this, but I can't talk about space for so long because then it actually does give me like existential dread. Really? Oh, interesting. Okay. So you find it because some people, when I was talking to Anna, I was Mm -hmm. like, I think for me, it helps put things into perspective, like a big picture. Like if something shitty happens to you in your life, you're just like, oh yeah, that's right. Like there's, we're floating on a speck of dust and a speck of dust and yeah. Um, But yeah, it doesn't, it helps me sometimes. And then other times it like really does not. Interesting. Interesting. I, I find knowing how small I am helps me a lot. Right. 
I, I don't, I don't really uh, feel the existential dread of, you know, the vastness of space, but uh, I'd be interested to hear more about why or how that uh, affects you. Well, I, I just like, it, it is scary. Cause I'm just like, cause then I start thinking about like, well, what are we made out of? Well, I'm, I think that what it does is like, it infringes on mm-hmm. like the ego part of yourself thinking right. that like, oh, your life is so important. Mm. And like your life is a movie. You've only ever experienced life through your eyes. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it kind of infringes on this like God complex that we have. Mm. And it's like, oh yeah, that's right. You're not as important as you think you are. You are just a person right in the world like Mm -hmm. everybody else right yeah but isn't there there, there's importance in that too i mean like every other person in the world is important too yeah yeah so so that's pretty cool the fact that you exist is so uh even if it even if you don't ever accomplish anything in your life even if you just exist the the mere chances of that actually happening are so like one in a, a quintillion, you know, like your, your parents had to meet each other, their parents both had to meet each other, so on and so forth right. forever. And then like down to like the like sperm level, you had to be like the right uh, sperm and the right egg. Like it's so unbelievably insane that uh, everything exists, but that we exist in that in, insane uh, fraction of a chance right. of existence. So that's interesting. So I think that there is importance in that. There is importance in that for sure. I think if you are talking to someone who is like depressed, mm. that is a great way to talk about it. It depends on like what you're talking about. Cause like when I was reading that book, Sapiens, they were basically oh, great like, book, amazing book, but it just basically, you know, it takes you down. It, it really takes you down a peg. Like basically the essence of that book is just saying like human beings were never meant to be at the top of the food chain. And since mm-hmm. we have been, it's just been like one of the worst things to happen to the earth. Yeah. But, you, but also on the same hand, it's like, it is a miracle that we're here. Like it is really crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe that either because like that's the whole MO of the book but it's also just like well if we were never meant like we also coexist in nature we are part of nature yeah like, at one point we were on the same level everybody was on the same level mm-hmm. so it's like when that spike happened and like we invented the first hunting school like, and like agriculture and yeah and agriculture and all that it's like that is nature taking its course it's like the fact that we are here is and is what nature are taking its course so it's like you could say that it's a mistake and I do believe that we are the worst things to happen to the planet, but I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's just part mm-hmm. of a greater because... life cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And like uh, George Carlin even talks about this too. Like, uh, yeah, we maybe were the worst things that happened to the earth, but like the earth's been through some real shit. Like yeah. even <laughs> if we, and... yeah. yeah, even if we nuke each other and we, wipe us all out and we cause the earth to be radioactive for you know uh, a a billion years that's still a fraction of the earth's lifetime and the earth's gonna be okay right it's true that's true yeah it, yeah. so it will continue on and whatever other form of life maybe would continue on and we would just be a moment in history uh because like i mean we uh the dinosaurs were on earth for i think like I forget exactly how long, but like 
significantly longer than we've even been an idea for the earth. Right. Like we're the tiniest fraction of time on earth. Right. Uh, we've also been the greatest impact of the earth yeah. of any other species, which is interesting too. But uh, uh, okay. Going back to what you said though, about like the existential dread, uh, uh, cause I, I'm, I've, I'm a person that's uh, uh, struggled with depression a lot in my life. Uh, and I found a lot of comfort learning about space because I kind of discovered in myself that uh, I'm a bit of a nihilist. Um, but I like to, I, I do my best in my life to be as optimistic as possible, uh, just because it makes my life better. Mm -hmm. uh, so I like to think of myself as an optimistic nihilist uh, in the sense that like, I think of, uh, the, uh, yeah, okay, I exist on the earth. And I genuinely don't really think that much matters. Again, like even if there's a nuclear apocalypse, uh, nuclear apocalypse, apocalypse, I'm not saying that, apocalypse, apocalypse. Yeah, apocalypse. yeah we did it. We did it. Yeah. Uh, if there's a nuclear apocalypse uh, and we're all wiped out of, in 3 billion years, that doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't think that things really matter, but it, right now they matter to me because I'm here right now. So... I am 31 years old. Uh, if I lived to be, you know, a uh, hundred years old at best, I've now lived about a third of my life. I'm running out of time to do the things I want to do. So I should do them right now. That's to me that, uh, and will it matter in a hundred years? No, but it will matter to me right now. Right. So that's my version of optimistic nihilism. That I think that's excellent. I think that's a great way to live, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So then, yeah. So then in that case, thinking big picture space, see, I, maybe I'm coming from a different perspective because anxiety is like my number one mental health issue. Whereas mm -hmm. like, I'm just like, oh, wow. Like this is insane. Like, this is just crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean that there? So the part of the book that really freaked me out was when they were like, we don't know, like the way that gravity um okay well in the book there's like in, uh, yeah. which one sapiens or neil degrasse tyson's uh, the neil degrasse tyson's okay so there was talking about this galaxy that is really far away and there was like a uh, like these planets were spinning around like similar to how we are spinning around the milky way and like okay. would think that but like it's the the trajectory of these planets they were moving so fast that they by with our mathematics and like the science that we know would spin out of orbit, but they weren't. Mm -hmm. And so it was just saying how like gravity, we don't know how gravity interacts with planet, like the laws of gravity change basically somehow. And we don't mm. know, how, but gravity is not like, it is not like it's, how it's... we believe it, it operates. Oh, interesting. I don't really remember that part of the book, but I mean, like there, uh, that, that does kind of make sense in the sense of uh, if you think of space time as a fabric, uh, yeah. the, the more massive an object is, you know, like the sun is more yeah. massive than the earth, uh, it would weigh down that fabric more. So gravity would be stronger because it's sloping down faster versus exactly. earth, if earth is here and the sun's here, there's a tiny little slope here and there's a huge slope there. So uh, the more massive an object is, the stronger gravity would be. Is that what you're talking about? No, 
they, that's, oh, no. Uh, I think that's what I was saying. Like, I think that's what they were getting at was that basically like, yeah, like this star, like if space is a fabric, like gravity mm-hmm. is a fabric, then by like weight of, or like by the size, like the portions were just like off. And they were just saying that it was spinning around so fast that it would. Oh, interesting. Spin out of orbit. With everything that we know and all the knowledge that we have, it should be spinning out of orbit. But for some reason, it's just not. And hmm. they don't know how. That's interesting. But that's yeah. also, uh, that's one of the things I really like about science is that uh, science is very okay with being humbled. You know, it, it, it's, it's okay with being like, oh, it's doing this thing that doesn't make sense to us. Uh, and we're going to admit it. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. Uh, we'll, hopefully we'll figure it out one day. And we will, I'm sure. But uh, until then, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's so funny that it's just like um, the, I mean, obviously, you know this. And I feel like people that are listening kind of know this. But like when you see a star in the sky, Sometimes that star could be literally behind a planet, but because the planet is so large and weighs so much, the light is bending around it. So it's as if it's right in front of you and you're getting a clear shot of it. It's it's fully behind something else. So basically kind of like the observer naturally is biased. Like whoever is looking through this telescope or where this telescope is, how far it is away from the thing, like it all has an effect absolutely yeah things like what you're seeing is not even really what yeah yeah seeing is not believing for Mm -hmm. sure uh like especially like have you ever seen like uh simulations of uh like a uh, a light going behind a black hole and how it kind of uh circles around it and stuff is because the 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 mass of whatever is uh hiding it like that planet could that is maybe hiding a star like you're talking about uh the light actually gets sucked down by the gravity too, but it's fast enough to come back up over that slope. So uh, it can kind of like circle around the planet in a weird way. Did you know that if you were to travel at the speed of light, uh, you would eventually, uh, you would eventually start seeing like behind you because the light traveling, because uh, if you're, if you're traveling like as fat uh, at the speed of light, which in the grand scheme of the universe is actually not very fast at all, but it's the fastest thing we can do. If you're traveling at the speed of light, uh, everything that would, uh, would be traveling towards you at the speed of light too. And you would, uh, the light that would be bouncing off of you would also be traveling at the speed of light. So you would be kind of like seeing you as you're moving forward. Wow. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? That is crazy. Yeah you would be moving at the same speed as the light that's bouncing off of you. So you would see you, yourself. That's, I have so many questions. That yeah. is psychotic. It's psychotic. Who gave that's it the, the right? The thing that I'm thinking of, that's just like colors aren't really like true to color. It's just like how the human brain like adapts the particles, like their, their light yeah. Like every yeah. has a different wave of light and that's just mm-hmm. what we pick up on. So like yeah. colors aren't even really real. Like is yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting if you take, uh, okay, so if you, let's say, let's talk about water and an apple, okay? Yeah. Um, so uh, red wavelength is the weakest wavelength. So when it goes into water, it kind of, it can't go down very far. So it, I forget exactly what the depth is that red light can no longer reach. 
but that's why like giant squids and stuff are red because when they're down deep red can't be seen they're just red is black down there right because there's no red to bounce off of them the re uh, the reason we see an apple as red is because red wavelengths of light hit it and then bounce off and hit our eyes. Right. And we see red, but it's actually every single color except for red because right. it absorbs every other color. Uh, so if you were to take an apple and jump down underwater, the deeper you got, you would start to see it turn gray and then turn black and you would, it would lose its color. If you were to shine a flashlight on it, you'd see it again because you're shooting light at it. And then the ray, the red would bounce at your eyes, but without any artificial light or the sun's beams, it just turns black. Yeah. Because we see, uh, which is, uh, wait, is black is the absence of color, right? Or is it, or is white the, I forget which. Asking the wrong person. I forget which. Okay, well, have not read that book. You haven't you haven't read the color wheel book? I have not seen it. No. No, it's a good one. Flying it's a good head. one. Uh, you can get it at any preschool store. Uh, <laughs> it teaches you all about the primaries, secondaries, even tertiaries. It's great. I didn't go to any scholastic school fairs, so maybe that has It's just a, if I'm being honest, it's just a coloring book, but it's okay. fun. Okay. <laughs> True enough. Um, yeah, I, uh, I forget my point. Yeah. So basically yeah, <laughs> your eyes pick up on different colors. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, what we see is kind of the opposite of what's actually happening. The reason we see green leaves is because it's the only light that leaves don't absorb, which means like if we had more receptors in our eyes, we would probably be able to see different color. The leaves is actually the actual colors they are, but we got basic human eyes. Right. Uh, have you ever heard the theory about uh, how we might be living inside of a black hole? Yes, I have heard that theory. Yeah. And basically, it's, it's because like, right, like if you're in a moving car, like you're on the highway and you like throw something mm -hmm. in the air, it just mm -hmm. lands right back in your hand. It doesn't move with the car. Like it doesn't stay in the air and then fly back and hit your face. Yeah, because it has the same momentum as the car. It has the same momentum as a car. Exactly. So it's like if we were flying through a black hole at the speed of like, who knows what, we would have no idea because we're mm -hmm. rotating on our own. Well, exactly. I mean, like we're also like on a planet that is uh, rotating at like a thousand kilometers an hour and we yeah. don't feel like we're moving. Uh, yeah. But also, so uh, there, there's, um, have you heard about white holes? No. Okay, so it's uh, it's a an idea because we haven't actually seen one before. But so the idea of a black hole or a black hole is something that uh, nothing once it once entered, nothing can escape from it, including light, which is why it's black. Uh, light goes and there it has a singularity, and that's where everything travels down to. It's the center of a black hole, and when you get sucked in, into it, uh, it it spaghettifies you, so it, like it turns you into like a tiny like string of your atoms. It sucks you down into your atomic level, rips you apart and into the singularity. But where, what happens when it's at the singularity? We don't know. And we probably never will because how could we? But uh, the idea of a white hole is that it would be the mathematical opposite of a black hole, which is nothing can enter it. Everything is getting shot out uh, from its singularity. Now we've never seen a white hole, it's just an idea, but uh, one, the other thing that does have a singularity is the Big Bang. Everything existed from an infinitesimal spot and within a fraction of a second exploded out into our universe. 
Now, uh, if it had a singularity and a black hole has a singularity, the theory goes that uh, maybe things get sucked into a black hole, into the singularity, and, and then explode out into its own new universe. So when, we, when the Big Bang happened, everything that exists right now, all the matter, all the energy uh, existed in the Big Bang. So, uh, which is another reason why I find the vastness of space so spiritual to me, because all the things that we're made of, it's like uh, Carl Sagan's whole, like we are stardust thing. Uh, we, all the things we're built out of were there at the beginning. So essentially we're just the universe experiencing ourselves, mm-hmm. you know? And I find that very, uh, I guess, spiritual if you, uh, for lack of better words, but anyway, so uh, the, uh, if we were to be sucked in, uh, everything was sucked into a black hole, explodes out into a big bang into our universe, creates everything in the universe, including us, including other black holes, which means as their universes in those and so on and so forth. And, and a universe in a black hole inside of a universe inside of a black hole forever and ever and ever. Uh, that's a mind blowing one. And I don't know if we'll ever be able to prove it, but I, I find that one interesting. That is very cool. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a simulation theory, but with uh, more like um, space science than computers. Right. Um, I agree with that way more than the simulation one. But also something that I was thinking about today, which is like kind of random, is like that particles technically never touch. Mm-hmm. And like- You and Anna were talking about that. Me and Anna were talking about that. And I was thinking yeah. about that today. It's like particles technically never touch. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wh- what? What? Yeah. The skin on your face is technically not touch. Like, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. technically. Yeah, there's, yeah, we, technically we've never touched anything, including ourselves. Y- yeah. Technically, there's always on a very, 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 very small level. Yeah, yeah, on a very, very small level, uh, we are just a bunch of atoms floating through space. Yeah. It's, that's a mindfuck. That one is re- that one has really messed with me. Lately, yeah. recently, I've been feeling that one for some Oh, time. yeah? Oh, yeah? Is, is it because you're like, you're feeling like when you touch things, you're like, am I even touching it? No, I'm just, I'm just like, like, I mean, if somebody was arguing, I don't think that we live in a simulation. But if somebody was arguing that point, I can see why that would make mm. sense to them just right. based on that alone. Right. Uh, so for the simulation theory, I once heard Neil deGrasse Tyson talking. Actually, he had like a video with Katy Perry for some reason. Katy Perry just like had him in his in her like bedroom to like ask him <laughs> a bunch of questions. And it was very funny because she was like, ask like she I'm sure she's a very smart person, but anyone beside Neil deGrasse Tyson just seems like an idiot and she seemed like such a fucking idiot in this video it was very funny but uh she was asking about the simulation and his answer was like how could we know but if we were to think about a simulation it would mean that a society had to get advanced enough to be able to create a uh such a realistic simulation uh they would have to create a simulation and then maybe if they were able to do that, maybe they would be able to create something that would be able to advance itself high enough that it would be able to create a simulation in the simulation. And maybe that could happen forever and ever and ever. And if that's the case, 
if you were to throw a dart at all the simulation universes, what are the chances you're going to hit a simulation rather than the original universe? That's interesting. So uh, it's, and again, that's, that's the one that can't be proven, but it's a, it's kind of a fun thought. Yeah. They're a, all fun. A, a fun, scary thought. It's a fun, scary thought, but it's a theory that is just based on like, you know, these are all, they're all just like theories. They're yeah. All, they're, they're just, they're just like a yeah. fun, fun, like mind, mind games, I guess. Exactly. But, exactly. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know if I would say they're theories because like the big bang theory is a proven thing. They call it a theory, but even though it's right. uh, actually been confirmed. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, you also said that you like quantum stuff. Like what, what kind of, is that like the kind of stuff that you're talking about? Like uh, how you can't touch things. Right. And you know, like the theory of like the slit in the hole, like you shine a laser through it and then there's like one dot and then it's just how particles can be in two places at once. Whoa. I don't know this one. Tell me. So basically there's um, this like experiment of like, if you cut, if you slit, like if there's a, it's on YouTube. So it's like, basically there's like two walls up and there's like a slit on one wall. And then there's two slits on the other wall. And if you shine mm -hmm. a laser through one of the slits, there's like multiple dots that show up on the wall. And then if you shine oh. it through a different wall, I can't remember if it was like one slit or the two slits or whatever, then, the, then there's just like one pointed laser. But then if cool. you have two entry points, then there's like multiple, and then the, the part of the light particles are in like multiple places at once somehow. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. it, it, which is showing the idea that, uh, is that kind of like uh, an example so of like what quant, like entanglement could be? Yeah, or like parallel universes. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. If, uh, so do you, do you buy into par parallel universes? Uh, I don't think I know enough about it. I think that it's fun to think. I think that anything that plays on our human condition of like, I can never be destroyed type of thing, or like there can, there can't be another, I'm sure that there's another version of me, like there can't be a part of the universe where I don't exist in type of thing. Mm. So like anything that seems like it's coming from that sort of like emotional place, I'm just like, I sure. don't really believe it. I think it's just playing on people's fears sure, and yeah. like natural curiosity. So I don't, I don't, I don't really know how I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, the most I feel about it is um, I, cause, and again, I know it's just a little thought experiment, but the, you know, how like the universe existing in a black hole, that is uh, the closest I can kind of get on board to like parallel universes if there, if we're in a black hole that means there is a universe above us so i guess that would be essentially a parallel universe does that mean that there's a version of me that's batman out there probably not but yeah. uh, uh but i also like that the idea of a, uh the us living in a black hole because we always ask the question like if you were to reach the edge of space what would there be well there'd probably be nothing uh because if we live in a uh, black hole that would be the edge of space would, I guess, be the edge of a black hole. It would be like the event horizon. Since nothing can escape a black hole, that means we can never get to the edge of space. Right, right. So that's, I don't know, that's that's kind of one that I like. And if there and if there's uh, black holes in our universe, that means there's other parallel universes. And if those universes have black holes, so on and so forth, I guess that would be the closest thing that I could really right. buy into for a multiverse. Yeah. Really but yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if I believe in like, there's other Dan's out there. 
well, there's other Dan's in this one, but yeah, there's too many Dan's honestly. Yeah. I think it would, I think it's a fun thought to be like, Oh, there's a universe out there where I didn't, you know, crash my mom's car. So sure. Yeah, exactly. Did you crash your mom's car? Was that an example? (laughs) No, that's just, no, no, no. Oh, I was really hooked. I was hoping there was going to be a fun story there. Oh man. If I crashed my mom's car, everybody would know that would be my cool character trip. (laughs) That would you make drive? Me, like the coolest person. I don't drive now. I have like my G1, <laughs> no. but I never, I, for some reason, I'm not getting a G2. No. Yeah, for some reason, I don't know. Do you, do, how do you feel when you drive? Um, I feel fine. I just don't, I, I know that I'm a distracted driver. I'm a distracted mm. person. Like I cannot focus on like one task. Right. Like, yeah. I, well, I mean, that's making the world safer. So you're a hero. I truly am a hero by taking yeah. the TPC and not driving. I truly, <laughs> truly, fully do not trust myself behind the wheel. Like as That's soon as fine. like I would put on the radio, I start daydreaming. And like, mm. I just know that I can't, there's too many mirrors. There's too many things to check. Like I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, it would be too much. See, there's that's the self-awareness I think we need a lot more of on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too, yeah. 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 Uh, do you, I, I was trying to think of another space. When, when was it that we discovered that we liked space together? Was it, I think, I think when we were at a birthday party at Courtney Gilmore's place and we were yeah, like, there was we a rooftop were, yeah. party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, were yeah. we just like stargazing on the roof? Was that like, was that like our romantic way of meeting each other? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It was, it was really romantic, actually. <laughs> our, our, you know, journey into yeah. talk was kind yeah. of, um, yeah, you just came up to me like, yeah, you put your arm around me. You're like, see that? That's yeah. Ursa Major. And I was like, yeah. really? <laughs> uh, that was like, a- no, not really. You can't see anything. We're in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. And then I bought a telescope and then I immediately sold it. I told you I was told. What? I- oh, yeah, you did. Why? Did it didn't work then, did it? It just never, um, I- it was just really big it was a massive telescope and I just didn't have the willpower to like take it out and like there was like a major moon there was like an eclipse and shit and I I was like if I don't take this out during an eclipse and I'm never gonna use it so I'm just gonna sell it (laughs) to a nice family yeah that's fair use it yeah see this is that's this is something I really respect about you you really have a very uh in tune sense of self and uh and I, I when it comes to driving or your telescope you're like I know me well enough. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. 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 Good times. Um, <laughs> well, I guess we've ran out of time, Dan. Oh, well, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks yeah. for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. I knew that this was going to be a great episode. Um, and I knew that you were going to be such a great guest. So thank you for, thank you for doing it. And thank oh, thanks. Thanks for being yeah. such a great host. No. Uh, do you, is there anything that you want to plug here at the end, your social media or? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at DCT comedy. And if you happen to be in the, uh, looking for something fun to do this summer from June, uh, sorry, from July 15th to August 1st at, uh, in Sterling, Ontario, which is two hours East of Toronto, we're going to be doing a fun drive-in musical called drive in the drive-in musical. And you can find that, uh, tickets for that at sterlingfestivaltheater.com. I love that. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Wicked. Thanks so much, Dan. Thank you. I never know how to end podcasts. It's always so awkward. I think you need a you need a, a, a sign off 
phrase. I need to sign off. I, yeah, I need to be like, all right, and that's been my pot. You know what I mean? Come out and start like. Is that is that your sign off phrase? And that's been my podcast. My yeah. name is Juliana Rodriguez, and that's been my podcast. My name is Juliana Rodriguez, and I'm out. Or so, like that's so. Like, and I'm out. I'm out. I'm and out. I'm, I'm out. out. <laughs> that's actually very funny. I hope that that's how you end all dates. Actually, yeah. <laughs> my name is. That's how I sign out. Yeah. My name's they're like, well, this has been a lot of fun. You're like, yeah, well, my name is Juliana Rodriguez and I'm out. Yeah. My name's Sarah. My yes, name's Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, dope. Okay. Right. Okay. Do, 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 do the, do the do, end it by saying I'm out. I'm out.